Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. Lindsey Graham summed up the impeachment trial by saying the Democrats were trying to prove that Donald Trump was a secret proud boy. Of course, that's absurd. We all know Trump is the lead cheerleader on their powder puff team. The FBI is still investigating and making arrests in last month's insurrection at the Capitol. They have a lot of work to do, judging by the fact that none of my neighbors have been hauled away in handcuffs. <laughs> British Prime Minister Boris Johnson made an O.J. Simpson joke when trying to put on gloves before touring a vaccination clinic. I would have thought Trump would be the authoritarian figure to make an O.J. joke, as he's been spending his time on the golf course searching for the person who caused the January 6th insurrection. First Amendment advocate and Penthouse Magazine founder Larry Flint passed away. If you thought that he already died, you'd be forgiven, as his legs passed away years ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Record low temperatures are being reported all over the country this week, except in Florida. They managed to make it into the triple digits. That's not the heat index, 
That's everyone reporting their COVID-related fever. And now on with the show. I'd like to welcome our panelists, Jeff Heisen and Abby Mello. Hey, Tom. Abby, welcome back. Uh, Missed you last week. Yeah, sorry. I have a real job. (laughs) You had a gig last week, didn't you? Oh, you're right. Last week was a gig. It wasn't it wasn't a class. You're right. I did. Yes. (laughs) I think at this comedy club where you were performing, like they're they're not allowed to have a merch table set up because of covid. So I hope, did you at least sell any of your uh, salad uh, bread? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did actually give some away. Uh, that's, yeah, that's how we pay comics now in COVID times. <laughs> you get paid in bread. Jeff, how about yourself? I keep struggling to focus on the work of the new administration because every day there appears to be more and more nonsense from coming out of uh, West Palm Beach, uh, and also, and the last two days with Ted Cruz's escape from Texas, going to to Cancun, in the in the service of his uh, his children's request, he said that he only went there because he was dropping off his kids, even though he packed enough clothes for five days. Well, uh, Ted so Cruz it, has. I mean, he's literally been accused of inciting an insurrection. Between that and this mess he and Azilka have created in Texas, which we're going to go over later on in the show, I would think that our customs wouldn't be allowed to let him back in. You think that that would be nice if they closed the border at least just for him? <laughs> uh, and and I uh, appreciated Joe's comment the other night. Excuse me, President Joe Biden. I'm talking about him like he's a personal friend. Uh, when when he acknowledged the bad work of the previous administration and our continued obsession with with the guy and uh, with the former president and called him the former guy TFG and I thought that was just terrific and I hope the media starts using that soon. The notorious TFG is that what you think a hashtag is going to catch on? I, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Trump released a statement after his acquittal. No words in all caps, no spelling errors, no exclamation points. My takeaway, Trump didn't write that. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell gave a speech on the Senate floor following the not guilty verdict that excoriated Trump's behavior and suggested he be open to federal and state investigations and indictments. However, he stopped short of saying Trump should be found guilty in a Senate proceeding because too much time had passed, despite the fact he was the one who waited until the day before Trump left to bring the Senate back into session. Susan Collins, likewise, gave a sternly worded critique of Trump before suggesting that the 2020 version of Susan Collins, who is willing to give Trump a pass, has learned her lesson. Joining us tonight to discuss everything impeachment trial related and its after effects, author and activist, Amy Siskind. Hi guys, thank you for having me. Amy, thank you so much for doing uh, this show. I've been uh, following you for a long time, uh, following you on Twitter, seeing some of your uh, TV appearances. Always enjoy watching you when you're on. So it's a pleasure having you on here. Thank you. Uh, your, uh, your thoughts on uh, everything following the debacle known as the impeachment verdict? Well, I wish we had uh, stayed and at least tried to have witnesses. I, you know, they're now home for vacation or you know, they're at, at home in their districts, but I I feel like that was our last shot at some public accountability. I'm not saying he won't be held accountable in criminal and civil cases, probably not related to the insurrection, but for other things in Georgia or New York. But 
Uh, it definitely was deflating like Saturday morning. I don't, I don't know how others felt when I saw that news, when, when Raskin got up and said, we're gonna call witnesses, I was like cheering. And then we you know, had the vote go our way, which we're so not used to after the last four years. And I was like, so excited, like, finally, we're going to have some accountability. We're going to have a trial. We're going to actually do this. And then, you know, quickly deflated. So, I mean, I, here we are. I mean, now we're going to count on the court systems to hold them accountable. But the good news is, as you were saying, the former guy, he's kind of now fading into the rearview mirror. In the meantime, GOP is doing their little civil war, which is always like a nice thing to watch from the outside and have some popcorn watching them tear each other apart. Um, so that I'm enjoying. <laughs> but I do worry about from the perspective of the work I've done for the last four years, what we normalized and whether the whole notion of an impeachment clause is even a viable vehicle anymore after this. I'm sort of dismayed by the fact that Trump's out of office yet we're still focusing on him to a certain extent. I mean, even, I mean, we have the, they had the impeachment trial. So of course that was going to take uh, center stage, but I would be more happy with if instead of just the media talking about Trump, they, the next time they agree to talk about him is when there's live footage of him being arrested. Like when they pulled Saddam Hussein out of the foxhole in Iraq <laughs> that would really, that would really make me happy. I agree with you. I've, I've been saying the only things I want to hear about Trump are criminal and civil cases and congressional hearings. Uh, and obviously if there's bankruptcies and him repaying his loans, that will all be tied into those three items. But I, I tend to agree with you. And I've noticed that even the reporters that typically cover him and hang on his every word, the stuff that they are sharing is getting a lot less interest now. I think people are like done with him. He's, he's shrunk in size pretty quickly once he got off Twitter. Not his butt though. <laughs> Not literally. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I should say his social media voice <laughs> is, has shrunk significantly. Not the rest. After the disastrous showcase made by Bruce Castor on the first day of the impeachment trial, the Trump defense team decided to change their strategy and have a new lead counsel show an air of competency and demonstrate the highest caliber of legal knowledge. When they scrapped that plan as well, they decided to have their closer be Michael Vanderveen, giving an impassioned argument about the way he wants to call witnesses that we can see in this clip. For the House managers to say we need depositions about things that happened after, it's not just not true. And not by Zoom. None of these depositions should be done by Zoom. We didn't do this hearing by Zoom. These depositions should be done in person, in my office, in Philadelphia. That's where they should be done. I don't know how many civil lawyers are here, but that's the way it works, folks. When you want somebody's deposition, you send a notice of deposition and they appear at the place where the notice says. That's civil process. I don't know why you're laughing. I haven't laughed at any of you. And there's nothing laughable here. Wah, wah. 
<laughs> that was just such a beautiful moment that they all started laughing at him. I mean, he's trying his best to be this outrageous bully, personal injury lawyer in our Senate chamber. And they all just laughed at him. It was the perfect takedown. And he has no idea why. Exactly. That they're laughing at him, not with him. Right. I only watched maybe a grand total of 45 minutes of the entire impeachment trial. And I happened to catch that live and rewatched it about five times. So I feel like I, I really won the lottery on uh, watching the impeachment. <laughs> that was a great part. For him, that was the best part of when he was speaking, when they all laughed at him. He's and and of... the Philadelphia, Philadelphia too. <laughs> I mean, if you're from a place, you should be able to pronounce it correctly, presumably, but. Can you imagine like this guy's ads that he's going to put on TV now? He's going to probably use his Senate impeachment trial expertise to try and get more clients. Have your actions at work caused someone to be injured? Call <laughs> us. I'm sure he's a very good personal injury lawyer. I mean, he's very aggressive and he can just yell and bark and intimidate people. But yeah, that didn't play so well. At the end, there was reportedly a lot of conflict between Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. Pence still showed loyalty, however, making public appearances and statements as a kind of willing yet unwilling transitional figure in the middle of a reluctant transition to a new chief executive. Of course, tensions between the president and his top deputy are nothing new. Conflicts in personality and ego are often the lifeblood of American politics, especially when one of those egos is a heartbeat away from the presidency, as these clips demonstrate, showing a historical look at this tension. To a reporter, Jackson said, After eight years as president, I have only two regrets. That I have not shot Henry Clay or <laughs> hanged John C. Calhoun. At home, there were still the Kennedys. Urbane, charismatic, immensely popular. He was consumed with this passion of inferiority towards the Kennedys. And they gave him a very hard time when he was vice president. They were going to dump him from their ticket. Uh, they made a buffoon of him, uh, a laughingstock when as vice president of the United States, he visited Scandinavia, Bobby Kennedy sent an uncoded telegram to the embassies, uncoded so that everyone could see it, saying that the vice president in no way speaks for the government of the United States and is not to be received as if he were an emissary of the president. In a book entitled, Go Quietly or Else, Agnew says he left because of a death threat from the White House. He quotes Nixon Chief of Staff Alexander Haig, urging him to resign with the words, the president has a lot of power. Don't forget that. Agnew writes that the remarks had a chill through his body. He took it as an innuendo that anything could happen. He might have, in Agnew's words, a convenient accident, an interpretation that even today he refuses to disown. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that these things are possible. I don't say it was a po uh, probability, but I do say it was a possibility. You think then that there were men around Richard Nixon, either in the White House staff or in the official mechanism of the CIA, who were capable of killing a vice president of the United States if they felt he was an embarrassment? I don't doubt that at all. 
Spiro Agnew complaining that Richard Nixon wanted to have him killed is the start of the modern Republican Party in a nutshell. <laughs> That's... Yeah, it just shows you what kind of character Pence has as well that this all could happen. I, I, I heard one of the impeachment managers, I think it was Plaskett, say that they tried to reach Pence and Mark Short, his chief of staff, after the vote to call witnesses when they kind of adjourned for a little while and got the sense that they were not going to be willing to to be good, you know, to, to be witnesses willingly. Um, and you would think if someone was trying to have you killed and <laughs> setting this mob out and wanted to have you hanged and their crowd was yelling, you know, get Pence and your family was with you and your family almost got killed, you would want to speak out. But here we are. I mean, this is why I can never be a politician. I, you know, these, uh, how could you not say something? I mean, even if it was just him alone, that would be one thing. But his whole family, they could have, if they had gotten a hold of him, his wife, his daughters, they would have hurt them, if not killed them. That was the intent. That was a marching orders from the apricot despot. So, um, yeah, you like that. My apricot despot. <laughs> That's the most poetic thing I've ever heard about Trump, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of came up with that towards the end. That was... <laughs> <laughs> the cold weather in Texas has shut down the state's electrical grid for several days. It's what happens when you take regulation out of an essential utility. We now know that Texas Republicans are doing their best to make America great again by telling their constituents the country was better off before people's homes had electricity. Five in Texas, minus six in Oklahoma. Those aren't the temperatures. Those are the state IQs. It was the coldest Mardi Gras on record in New Orleans. Instead of beads, women who flash crowds are now being thrown hand warmers. Please join me. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming our next guest for this segment, Davin Rosenblatt. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, Davin. Pleasure. So I would love to get your uh, perspective on everything that's been going on, especially with what's going on down in Texas. The well, I mean, look, up of government. I mean, Tom, listen, you, we've known each other a while. You know, I'm an optimist, right? right? So so let's look on the positive. Ted Cruz is now out of the country. So this is a good thing for America. <laughs> um, I think I think it's time we get uh, Donald Trump on the phone and, and we get that wall built before he figures out how to get back. <laughs> Uh, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't I feel terrible for the people of Texas because, you you know, you expect your government to be there when things when, when things are unexpected. The, the whole point of government is to take care of the unexpected so you can live your daily life. Unfortunately, uh, they had a, a severe storm in 2011 uh, with the cold weather that caught them unawares. They called it a once in a generation storm. And it turns out in Texas, generation means a decade. So. Really, I mean, there's you have to blame the government for this. And unfortunately, what we're finding um, in government, whether it be Republican or Democrat, um, it's a lot easier to go, hey, look over there than to just say my bad and fix it. So Texas is kind of scrambling. They want to blame uh, AOC and green energy instead of going, oh, you know what? Wind turbines do work, but you got to get the right ones, the ones that work in below freezing weather like they have in Antarctica, in the Plain States, in Canada, in Europe. Listen, I think Americans 
are willing to accept that our politicians are not perfect. As a matter of fact, I know we are. We just expect, <laughs> we just expect them well, to look go. Look who elects them. We do. <laughs> That's how we know well, they're not perfect. Right. Listen, you know, people go, oh, you, you, you get the government you deserve. Exactly. We deserve this because because we go for sizzle. We go for sound bites. We don't want policy wonks. We don't want people who do the work. We want people like us so we can have a beer with them. No, no. I want people that are way better than me. I want people that would puke at the thought of having a beer with me. I'm okay with that. With that. I want I want my politicians to go have a beer with you, Rosenblatt. No, you're a simpleton and a moron. Not only, first of all, I have work to do. Second of all, you're dumb as hell. I'm smart. That's who I'm electing. But you know what? Why do we have to go out there and kiss babies and shake hands? I mean, why can't why why can't we just go? Listen, you're a little filthy. I got work to do. My hands are clean. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work so hard that pretty soon you, the unwashed masses, can be washed. That's how hard I'm going to work. That's what I want. Oh, we don't want an elitist. No, I want an elitist who's going to do work. I want someone who's so much better than me, but actually has a work ethic. So I want the best of the upper crust with the blue collars. Not my work ethic. I'm blue collar. Somebody works a little harder than me, but with a work ethic. That's what I want. Give me that. I love how you say you're the optimist. And then this is the stuff that you have to spew out. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it's, it's been it's been a good week. I mean, it's been it's been a listen. I'm loving 2021. First of all, uh, I live in a state where we're used to snow, which is nice. Uh, second of all, uh, the airwaves have gotten a lot quieter, um, which which I enjoy. Uh, the, Twitter has gotten a lot qual- uh, quieter. And I found out my governor's just like every other Goomba. He hides the bodies. So, I mean, listen, 2021 is working great for me. In any crisis, it takes a basic amount of human compassion to endear yourself to the public and gain high approval over your handling of a crisis. You'd have to be a total fuck up to do something that warrants facing criticism. Thankfully, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is up to the task as he gives two competing explanations for the failure of the state's power grid, one on a local news outlet, the other on Fox. See if you listeners can guess which is which. Governor, Texans are demanding someone be held accountable. Who's to blame? The companies that generate the power, uh, their operations have frozen up uh, or have tripwired uh, and are non-operational. We must also point out uh, that the way that ERCOT has handled this entire situation has been completely unacceptable. And that is exactly why uh, today I issued an executive order calling for an emergency item for the Texas legislature to begin immediately to investigate what is going on at ERCOT. We need greater transparency, greater explanations. The public has a right to know what ERCOT is doing, how they are making their decisions, why they are making their decisions the way they are, uh, and and to speed up their decision-making process. Sean, this shows how the Green New Deal would be a deadly deal for the United States of America. Texas is blessed with multiple sources of energy, such as uh, natural gas and oil. Our wind and our solar got shut down, and and they were uh, collectively more than 10% of our power grid. And I think California is in a tougher situation because they're even more reliant uh, upon the Green New Deal type of energy, such as uh, wind and solar. And they don't have the capacity that a state like Texas does to be able to tap into fossil fuel. See, the thing that gets me about this is that as he's talking, like as he's spewing this bullshit, like he probably doesn't think that people outside Texas are 
they know how to pull clips from local news stations to see that this, if that state's governor is being consistent? Well, I mean, I, I think I think he's insulting his constituents. He's he's assume he's assuming his constituents are a bunch of rubes, and uh, and think that Texas is the only that only hot weather environments uh, have wind turbines. And also, there is no green new new green deal, whatever whatever AOC is calling it. We have renewable energies; we've had them for decades. It's not like it's not like AOC came out of the bar, went into Congress, and all of a sudden, uh, hydro and uh, and and solar and wind turbines were discovered. We've had them for decades. So, I, obviously, you've had them for decades. You didn't build wind turbines in the past three years. Listen. There's um there's there are certain news organizations that play their uh, listeners viewers as fools, and unfortunately, these people the, a lot of them watch it and they think they're being told the truth. Uh, one of those is Fox News, and Fox News has gone into court and argued because Tucker Carlson was hauled into court, and uh, Fox News has argued, well, nobody in their right mind would believe what Tucker Carlson says is fact, and the judge pretty much said, yeah, you're right, you got to be a moron to believe what they're saying, and Tucker <laughs> Carlson won the case. I mean, it was the Alex Jones defense, but people think that they're getting the truth from news organizations like this, and, you know, it's not a left-right thing, just the truth. Go to the Associated Press, go to Reuters, do your research there. All, all people have to do is also, besides that, is remember that Texas doesn't uh, have certain regulations for their corporations the way other states do. So there's no oversight. So he's blaming the corporation that he helped free from oversight. That, no, that's that's a great point. But and that's what we're doing. He's doing the same thing. Look over there. Don't hold me accountable. And he's not the first. He's not the first. It's not like Governor Abbott came into power and all the regulations fell away. I mean, listen, that's part of Texas. OK, but at some point. But you do want some things. Forty nine other states winterized. I believe forty nine. I believe all the other states have have winterized their uh, wind turbines. Hawaii can dream, though. I don't know what where they get the wind turbines on Groupon. I don't understand what they're doing. <laughs> but you start like, calling this guy uh, Don Quixote because he's out there fighting windmills. <laughs> I know that's a, that's a great reference. Now, I, as I recall, uh, Don Quixote's sidekick was AOC, right? They were on, they were in pursuit of windmills. <laughs> To give to give him cancer and kill birds. Yes, that's what it was. The sound of windmills will cause cancer. <laughs> Not to be outdone in the conservative media sphere glad handing industry, former Texas governor and former energy secretary Rick Perry wastes no time in reminding Americans why he's a dipstick, as we can see in these clips. Let's put that graphic back up. That's Rick Perry basically saying that uh, Texans uh, would be willing to go through days of blackouts uh, in order to keep the state or the federal government out of the state's power grid. That's right there. Former Texas Governor Rick Perry suggests that going days without power is a sacrifice Texans should be willing to make. Rick Perry, uh, and he has got the power on, at least where he is in the state of Texas. Governor, thanks very much for joining us today. How did that like? That was like on point, right? I mean, literally, as you came on the power off in the uh, main part of the house, what we're run running on right now is generator power. Is it a solar or wind? <laughs> so the, the point is... I like to think that notification bell going off in the background is a warning 
that Rick Perry is about to spew something that's supposed to sound reasonably <laughs> smart, but is total crap. Well, I think I that, mean, that, that's Rick Perry's bullshit detector that was going off, that dinging in the background. Listen, if you want to sound reasonably smart, but not actually be smart, he's on the right show. So, you know, give, give, it, give him for that. His handlers put him in the right place with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Let's never forget that this is the genius who tried to show his uh, Republican bona fides by saying that there were three agencies of the federal government that he was going to eliminate. And he didn't anticipate the follow-up question, which three? So he named two and he couldn't think of a third one. Just say one, Rick. Just just make one up. Wasn't no it one... the EPA that he forgot also? Yes. I think it was the EPA that he didn't yeah. remember and that's who he's coming out swinging against. You know, that's just I feel bad for him because that's just one of those gotcha questions. Media trying to make him look bad. <laughs> and what do you want be- to get rid of? <laughs> and yet he became the secretary of uh, energy. See, that's the that's the scary thing. He's out there preaching that nobody would want the federal government involved where Texas is going to have their own grid, which they do. Dude, you were the guy who ran it. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, nobody wanted you coming in. Nobody wanted the uh, the, the federal government when, when you were part of it or where Sleepy Ben Carson was part of it. But I'm fine with it now. Well, for now, until they screw up, you know, but, I mean, he's, he's terrible. And he's the compassionate governor. He's the he's the best. You know, these guys make you long for George W. Bush. I'm sorry. They make you look for they make you to quote my buddy, uh, Russ Fadiko. They make you long for the C student that George W. Bush was. Well, I think like if Rick Perry could stop talking to the voices in his head, like he would find out that most people don't want to go without power for a few days. They would happily burn him in effigy just to stay warm. Most Americans don't want to go without power for a few hours. <laughs> we, we um, you know, listen, we're, we're very spoiled. We, we like our electricity. We, we like our streaming platforms. We like our heat. We like our water. I mean... This see, he's the type of elitist I don't like. He's the type of elitist who attained high power is looking down on us, but is stupid. If you're gonna look down on me, be smart. That's so. Th- w- that's the type of elitist you like. No, I don't like. He's the so type of said, elitist. But what is the type of elitist you do like? Uh, Barack Obama. Okay. I, I I feel Barack Obama is probably elitist. I mean, he tries, but you know what? I'm fine with it. He is way smarter than me on so many levels. He And he's a better human being than me. And that's what I want for my president. I want somebody who's way better than I am. Me and Tom are touring stand-up comedians. We should never be put in a position of power. That being said, <laughs> we would probably do better than a lot of the people elected. And that should scare you, the listener. Here's the key to being in power. Honestly, it's not how much you know. It's surrounding yourself with people who know more than you and being willing to listen and weigh what's best for the, for the country. That is the key to being a good leader. The opposite of the previous administration is basically what you're saying. So are you saying, bitch, be humble? Um, well, not as eloquently as that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that's our show. I'd like to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Amy Siskin, and Davin Rosenblatt. Thank you for having me. Before we go, my final thought. I did a TV interview where upon watching it, someone misquoted me and said that I compared what I do to the job of a police officer. For the record, 
I would never put what I do on the level of the arduous and thankless job of law enforcement. There is a major difference between me and police officers as I actually like black people, nor do I set myself up as the moral arbiter of society. For example, I don't find it necessary to keep telling people to wash their hands. If they have to keep being reminded to wash, then they won't do it. And I say, fine, let them not do that. That way, when they consume and digest their food, they will get the literal version of a gut check. Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen and Abby Mello and guests Amy Siskin and Davin Rosenblatt. Theme music by Your Own Vanden Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi, everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Ugly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.